Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter number 7. Let's see what Jesus has to say to us this evening. Mark chapter number 7. We'll read 16 verses together and then discuss them just a little bit. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. When they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands off, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not, and many other things there be which they have received to hold, as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, Well, hath Esaias prophesied of you hypocrites? As it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God... He hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Korban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said to them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand, there is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. All right, Father, help us tonight to profit from your word. Help us to see what we need to see and to do what we need to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, first of all, there's, there's two points that almost go without saying, but they need to be said. Number one, wicked men are always watching the followers of Jesus with a keen eye. And number two, their object is not to learn how to be a disciple, but to find fault. Now that, that's, that's just how it is in the world. You go on the job or to the school in the neighborhood, and you stand up, say, I'm a Christian, you speak up for the Lord, you become the object of their attention. They begin to watch you and scrutinize you and examine you, and, and they're not doing it because they want you to show them a better way to live. They're doing it because they want to find something that you're doing with which they can find fault to justify their not being a follower of Jesus. And so so we got that. Then we see that the Pharisees, according to verse number 3, they they wash their hands often. And they don't eat unless they wash their hands. And they also wash the cups and the pots and the vessels. And they even clean the tables. And... 
You'd have to be really mixed up in your Bible reading and understanding to think that Jesus is condemning those practices. It's not what he said. He did not rebuke them for washing their hands. Personally, I, I, I like people that wash their hands. It's a good thing. You handle the, handle the shopping cart or they handle the gasoline pump or um, deal with your allergies uh, without the benefit of a hanky. Um, I hope you wash your hands before I come in contact with you. If you invite me over to eat, I hope you're a family that washes the dishes. Hope you wash the pots and the pans and even cleaning the tabletop. The Lord's not rebuking them for doing that. What Jesus is, is condemning on the part of these people is that these rules that men invented for men, these rules that people invented by which to govern and control other people, were more important to them than the things which God commanded. And they would consider a person a terrible person who did not obey their social norms or their customs and traditions, but they would give a person a pass who disregarded the teachings of the Bible. And what Jesus finds fault with is people who are so impressed with themselves. It's part two of this morning's message. People who are so egotistical that they believe my traditions and rules are superior to the commandments and the teachings of the Holy Bible. And it's that sort of nonsense and self-righteousness that the Lord condemns because it is not at all a true righteousness. That's what we're going to talk about this evening. It is... I, I, I don't want to dwell too much on the negative side of this. But our churches and our pulpits are filled with people who determine whether or not someone is right or righteous or right with God based entirely upon things that are not scriptural. And they debate and they fight and they argue and they separate over what foods Christians should eat. Or whether or not Christians should have facial hair or what political party a Christian is to be affiliated with or, or the proper way to educate and train children and, and people who don't witness and don't support missions and don't give to the church and have never read the, so much as the New Testament through once in their life, imagine that they're great spiritual Christians because they don't drink soda pop or because they vote Republican, or because their kids only homeschool with materials created by mom and dad instead of those borrowed from some organization, away with all that stuff. And actually base their Christian fellowship on things that have nothing to do with Christianity, and they establish or go about to establish their righteousness based upon things that aren't in the Bible, but they come from some website or some co-op or some post-fellowship fellowship, fellowship of, of, of 
believers who don't believe in what the believers believe in, and, and it's just, it's wearisome. It's wearisome. When you're against toothpaste, but you're also against Sunday school, you're just weird. When you don't give to the church you attend, but you make sure everybody knows that deodorant's bad. Everybody wishes you'd do two things. Give and use deodorant. That thing about a savor of life unto life and a savor of death unto death takes on a whole new meaning. People get into some of this stuff. I've known homeschooled children to end up out in the world, and I've known public school children to end up in the ministry. There's really not much in the Bible about how to secularly educate your children. There's plenty about training them up in spiritual matters, but not much in the Bible about teaching them math, history, science, and social studies. Now again, these things aren't wrong. But when you try to establish your righteousness on non-biblical issues, while at the same time disregarding things clearly taught in Scripture, it creates a problem in your life and it creates a problem in your fellowship. And Jesus is very plain about it. The Pharisees, look look at the verse, um, verse number... Um, well, let's start at five. The Pharisees and scribes ask him, Why walk not thou thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? He answered them, Well, hath Esaias prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Jesus said, How come your disciples don't clean their hands? And Jesus said, how come you don't clean your heart? Jesus said, your disciples have dirt under their fingernails. And Jesus said, you have dirt in your soul. And he was more concerned with the one than he was with the other. The Son of God have none of their foolishness. He denounced those who honored him only with their words. And he doesn't accuse them of murder or theft or anything like that. He's not accusing them of being involved in wicked deeds. What provokes him to anger is that men exalt themselves and debase God. They think their made-up stuff is more important than what's written in the Bible. And it wears God out. When men place their words in the supreme position and God's words in a lesser place, they show their high estimation of themselves and their deep disregard for the Creator. Jesus said, follow me, and they did not follow him. Jesus said, preach the gospel, and they did not preach the gospel. Jesus never said, now be sure and wash your hands before eating. But they made that a binding commandment. Then they sought to declare themselves holy and all others unholy because of their doctrines, not those of Jesus Christ. Now these days it's, it's, it's a little different. 
I got saved in the 60s and the 70s. Saved people were all trying to live right. And they were competing to try and live more right than the other person was. Now the thing's shifted so far to where the preaching nowadays is you don't have to live right. Anybody preaches that you have to live right as some kind of, you know, hateful legalist and, and we're just supposed to preach love and grace and all that. But back in the day, everybody was, that was saved was concerned about living right and looking right and doing right. And, and they went so far as to look at the world. And, and this, 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 is, this is how old I am. Now they look at the world and they say, the world has this kind of clothes and conducts themselves in this way and this kind of music and let's make sure Christians do that so the world will think we're cool. Let's get tattoos and put earrings on our boys and, and mini skirts on our girls and get a rock band. But back in the day, the preachers looked at the Beatles and preached against long hair. Because a Christian wouldn't want to be like the world. And John Lennon put on wire rim glasses and preachers preached for decades against wire rim glasses. He said, well, that's not in the Bible. Yeah, but it's better than what we got now where they want you to be like the world. And, you know, I've got all kinds of old sermons in there about driving worldly cars and, and wearing worldly clothes and, and, and conducting yourself in a... People used to hate the world, save people. They didn't want to be like the world. But what happened is, in, in some circles, that devolved into a thing where you could just hate people as long as your hair didn't touch your collar. Come on. And a woman, a woman could just be the biggest gossip in town as long as she wore a skirt. See? And so, even to this day, we have our traditions that we hold in greater regard than we do the Bible. And the Lord, the Lord, uh, denounced placing things invented by men ahead, ahead of, uh, things taught by God. Now, Today, our world's full of good deed-doers. And say it's full of good people. It's full of good deed-doers. We have people who are laboring to save endangered animals. They're laboring to save the rainforest. They're laboring to rescue hungry pets. They abandon their children but adopt a highway. They advocate for somebody's rights. They so believe that medicine should be free, they loot the CVS. And, and uh, that's part of Obamacare. You just <laughs> break in the drugstore and take whatever's there. But these same people who are trying to do good ridicule the Bible and insult Christians. In our churches today, Many people avoid processed foods. They make sure you vote correctly. They warn their friends about the dangers of modern medicine. But they never show up to knock on doors. They haven't given out a gospel tract in five years. Not only do they not pray for the church's missionaries, they don't even know who they are. But they'll warn you about fluoride. 
And to make sure you know that a mark and a computer chip really are the same thing in their new dictionary. Jesus says in words that nobody can fail to understand that men will reject the commandment of God to teach their own tradition. Okay, let, let's, let's take a... Never mind the liberals, never mind. Let, let's take an independent, Baptist, King James, fundamental, pre-tribulation, soul-winning... Okay, let, let's, we get all, we get all, the, all the right adjectives, all the, our, our crowd... Witnessing, visitation, less than 5% participation in the average church. Christmas trees, 96-97%. Witnessed even one person a week, less than 5%. Easter basket. You're not going to say anything about that, are you? Read the Bible through in a year? few here and there. Business meetings and voting for elders and deacons? Universal. Now look, I'm telling you, in the average church, if you don't do the stuff that's not in the Bible, it's scandalous. And if you fail to do the things that are clearly taught in the Bible, who cares? That's just how it is. The traditions of man, the constitution and bylaws trump the scriptures. How we've always done it counts more than the word of God. In some circles, what's the Hiles Manual say? In some circles, what did John R. Rice have to say? In some circles, how did Peter Ruckman do it? In some little tiny circles, it's, well, Knox says, what's the Bible say? What's the Bible say? If mom was wrong and grandma was wrong and great-grandma was wrong, you don't have to keep being wrong. You go by the, by the scriptures. But look, some things aren't right or wrong. They're not. How you educate your children, what you put on your table, whether or not you have a lawn or don't have a lawn, whether you... You you understand? There's plenty of preference in life. But people want to make an issue, a fellowship-defining issue, out of something that's not biblical. That's when you run into trouble. Back in, back in the day, uh, Brother Ed Yoder and I both had beards. And we would go to camp meetings, independent Baptist fundamental camp meetings. And it's a funny thing how God just led one man after another to preach on beards. Now you know, you know those men weren't praying three weeks before that meeting and the Lord said, I really want you to bring a message on beards. I, I really, I beards, just, and they, they'd open the Bible and all they could get out of the Bible was beards. And when they try to study and try to pray, it's just the Holy Ghost just kept saying beards. And, and they showed up at the camp meeting and lo and behold, there's two guys there with beards. 
But I tell you what, as soon as they saw us, the Lord led me to preach on this. Now, now listen, I'm not, my eyes are closed, I'm not looking around. There'd be 30 ladies there who couldn't wipe Jesus' feet with the hairs of her head. And they never say a word about that. Now, one's in the Bible, one's, one's not. One's tradition. And then they, then they got on this kick for a while. You'd go to, uh, to a meeting and they'd be preaching against cowboy boots. Now, I don't know how they're cowboy boots because nobody wearing them is a cowboy. Then you get, then you get, <laughs> ostrich cowboy boots. And then you get in some circles and all the preachers are wearing cowboy boots. It's just weird, man. It's just, and, and you're not right with God if you don't wear cowboy boots because brother so-and-so, I mean, he's the man and he's wearing the cowboy boots. Everybody's wearing the cowboy boots. And you go to another meeting like, well, we're wearing the cowboy boots, man. I have a bunch of, you know, all right, wing, black wingtips. Got to lace them up. My shoes don't have laces in them. Why, the apostles didn't wear cowboy boots. Yeah, well, let somebody show up in sandals and both sides will preach against it. So, we, we try our best to be a fellowship of believers centered on the Word of God. And some of you feel real strongly about diet. And some of you have never seen a diet. And... and, and some of you are very convinced that people spend eight years in medical school and come out knowing less than you do because you've got a website that you go to. And, and, that's, and that's fine. And, and some of you, it's got to be all natural. And some of you, it's, you know, if man can figure out a better way to grow it and to make it, you're, you're okay with that. And some of you want to churn your own butter. And some of you have other things to do with your life. And... But it's not the basis of Christian fellowship, and it doesn't make you right with God if you do it, or wrong with God if you don't. If you want to wash your hair with soap and not shampoo, just wash it. And some of you don't have any idea why I'm even saying this. You ought to just lift your hands to heaven and say, thank God. Nobody's cornered me in the church hallway and asked me why I let my kids eat potato chips. Because they're yummy. Don't you know it's going to kill them? Yeah, yeah it is. And whatever you're eating is going to kill you. Ain't nobody getting out of here without dying. Well, you know, you'll die sooner if you eat that processed stuff. Oh no, I'd go to heaven. Wait a minute, everybody seems like the greatest thing in the world could ever happen is going to heaven, but they don't want to eat biscuits because they might get there sooner. It's kind of odd when you think about it. We could cite a thousand examples where the modern church and its membership have a deeply held devotion to things invented by men and virtually no devotion to things taught in the Word of God. 
And like the Pharisees of old, they will go so far as to denounce those who follow the teaching of the Word of God because they refuse to participate in their traditions. You know what they, you know what they say around town? Oh yeah, that church down there, they're all a bunch of wife stealers. They don't say that. Oh, you watch out, that church down there, man, they'll rob you at gunpoint. They're all a bunch of armed robbers. They don't say that. Oh, that church down there, you better watch out, man. I, I tell you, every one of those people, they're, they're, they're sodomites. They're lesbians. They're perverts. Now, you know what they say? I understand they don't believe in Christmas. If you were a bunch of thieves, you wouldn't get the same amount of criticism you get for not believing in Santa Claus. Come on, am I, am I telling the truth? Just go visit church somewhere and say, you know that Bible Baptist? Oh yeah, those people. They're the people that stand on the, on the sidewalk and scream at little children and tell them they're going to hell. Really? Wow, you've seen them do that? Well, no, I've heard about it. Well, who'd you hear about it from? Some lesbian? Some drunk? Some pastor? <laughs> People are weird, man. They're really weird. We better watch out for that church down there. What do they do? Oh, they study the Bible. They pray. They give money to missions. They love one another. They help one another out in tough times. Well, man, that sounds like a great place. No, no, they're against Easter egg hunts. Something wrong with those people. You know why? Their traditions mean more to them than everything God put in the covers of that book. Yep. Just how it is. But same thing can happen here. I don't know that there's much on TV that's going to help you be a good Christian. But if you don't have TV and you don't watch TV and you're a lying gossip and you're a backstabbing, fault-finding, self-righteous Pharisee, you might want to cut out some of that and watch a program or two. Because the Bible doesn't say... Now, listen... The Bible doesn't say don't watch TV, but it says God hates those that sow discord among the brethren. We're down in, we, where were we? St. Martin. We're down, and, and the, so this boat, this boat's going along. There's this ocean that God made. It's unbelievable. It's, it's blue like you've never seen blue. And you look a hundred feet straight down through it and see the bottom. It's unbelievable. And these cliffs are, are there. And just big high cliffs, white cliffs, and the waves smashing into them. And the birds, the seabirds are flying over your head. And this guy driving a boat, he stops the boat and he says, This is where Janet Jackson lives. And all the people take out their cameras and they're taking pictures of, of the house that some piece of trash lives in. They're not taking pictures of the ocean. They're not taking pictures of the cliffs. Oh, movie star! 
A singer. You got to pull out the cameras, take a picture, take a selfie. This is me in front of the house. Janet Jackson fornicates in. People are weird, man. They, 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 they said this, this house up on the big top of this hill. 66 room house. 66 room house. 28 bedrooms. Harry Belafonte. That's his house. What, he's going to die in it? He's going to die there and go to hell? He don't know, he, he don't get saved pretty quick. He's going to die, die and go to hell. With a five million dollar house. People are all impressed with that kind of stuff. They don't, they're not impressed with God's creation. They're impressed with man, men's stuff. And we're not careful. We'll put the commandments of men, the religious inventions of men, the traditions of men, the doctrines of men. We'll put them way up here and we'll put the Bible, the Word of God way down here. And be careful about that stuff. Men establish rules for good reasons and for bad reasons. God established all of his rules for our well-being. Most will labor to keep the man-made rules because they deem them valid or important or because they want to fit in or be accepted or because they are sincerely deceived. (laughs) The majority will reject the commandments of God for the opposite reasons. They are not deemed valid. They are not considered important. They do not desire His acceptance and they don't want to fit in with those they consider fanatics. Oh, that we might be as devoted to the Lord as we are to the doctrines of men. So that's Jesus. We're not under Jesus. We're under Paul. Well, I'm I'm not. Jesus, my Savior. But anyway, here's what the Holy Spirit said in Colossians 2. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. So when men put their words and decrees and ordinances above those of God, they're manifesting their pride and their self-confidence and their lack of respect for the wisdom and the grace of God. Okay, now as soon as we say that, here come all the libertines. Here come all the rebels. Well, then how can we get rules? And Jesus didn't say their rules were wrong. He said their hearts were wrong because they considered their rules more important than the Word of God. The reason we have a code of dress for our young ladies is because if we didn't have a code of dress for our young ladies... Their mothers and fathers would allow or encourage them to dress in ways that would detract from the Christian fellowship that we're trying to have here. So we have a rule that we've made based upon biblical principles for what we think are are good reasons and good motivations. And I like those rules. If you wanted to be a cheerleader, you would like their rules. You would abide by their rules because you wanted to be a cheerleader. If you don't like the church's rules, it's because you don't want to be part of that church. 
Everybody's got rules. You got rules on your job. I don't like them. Well, quit. No, you abide by the rules because you want to work there. Okay, so look, so everybody's got rules. We're not. Jesus is not against rules. You know what the you know what New Testament said? The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul said, and keep the traditions. There's, there's things that are scripture, the things that are tradition. And he said, keep the traditions. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to have song service than preach it. It's not wrong to do it. And it doesn't mean people are wrong or don't do it. There's a woman visit here this morning and she wanted to know where the offering box was. And somebody told her and encouraged her to tell everybody else. Where, where. <laughs> she said, well, I couldn't go to church without giving anything. She, she, no, she said, she said, well, a person couldn't go to church without giving anything. And I, and I thought, yeah, they can. <laughs> but you don't have to pass an offering plate and you don't have to put a box in the back. And you don't have to have envelopes, and it's not wrong to have envelopes. Those are traditions. But I'll tell you something. There are people who think that, well, we've had people come here to visit, and they said, well, you don't have a choir. No, we don't have a choir. Well, I don't want to go to a church that doesn't have a choir. That's fine. Go to a church that has a choir. If you're looking for a choir, go to a church that has a choir. But that church isn't right with God because it has a choir. And we're not wrong because we don't have a choir. We don't have a choir because we want everybody to sing. We don't have a choir because we got so many people we had to tear out the choir loft. And there's no there's nowhere to put them. And we don't have a choir because we don't have enough people that can sing well enough to have a choir. And the people that can't sing want to be in the choir. <laughs> not here, not here, just, just somewhere. Okay, so, so dare I say it, I mean, we're, we're, we're here, we're in the neighborhood. Dare I say it, when our children were little, almost everybody in our church homeschooled. But some used videos and some just books. And believe it or not, there was a, a divide over those who were doing it the real way, the right way, and those who were doing it the wrong way, the compromising way. I'm so glad our kids are grown. I just, I t- I'm so glad to be, free, be out, out from under all that competition, strife over that kind of stuff. And so now, so I'm, I'm going to say this. If you have children, if you have cho- your children, you have children, and you want to vaccinate them, they're your children. And if you have children and you don't want to vaccinate them, they're your children. But stop Dividing a church over something that's not in the Bible. Somebody asks you and you want to give your opinion and that's fine and they disagree with your opinion, that ought to be fine. And that ought to be the end of it. Now if you've got measles, stay away. Measles are gone, you can come back. 
You get, you get diphtheria, I don't want you coming back to you can spell it without looking it up. <laughs> but there's enough in this Bible for us to agree on and stand on and fight for without quarreling and disregarding one another and exalting ourselves one against another over things that are not in the Bible. And everybody without kids says amen. (laughs) Look, I know we have deeply, deeply held convictions and beliefs. Okay, ready? I'm going to say this. You ready? Dare, Dare I say it? Okay, you got your Republican landslide. How's that working out for you? You notice the great turning of the tide? You know what Jesus told you to do? Get people saved. What are you saying? I'm saying we're not going to divide a fellowship over whether or not you think Obama the reprobate or Boehner the drunk is doing more harm to America? The answer is Jesus Christ. Now, if you ask me, next election comes around, you ask me, I'm going to encourage you to vote against somebody. I'm going to say, I don't, I don't care much for this guy, but that guy... And if you, if you do the contrary, that's fine. It's, it's, it's your business. See, now that, see, you feel that? You feel it? That gets you more upset than me preaching stuff out of the Bible. We have got to stand for the truth of the Word of God. We've got to unite on the things that are clearly written in the Word of God and the other things. You can have your opinion. I'll have my opinion. Let's express them. Let's discuss them. And let's get on with our lives. And nobody exalt themselves above the other or break off fellowship with the other because you like one team and they like the other team. And your team did better in the draft this year than the other team did. I'll tell you what, before you get so excited about those football players, why don't you let one of them come live with you for about six weeks? Yeah, we'll see how great you think they are. All right, well, we better press on here. Um, for Moses said, that's, that's Scripture, you know, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. <laughs> Jesus had a lot to say today about, about <laughs> extermination. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he should be free, and ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father and his mother. Okay, here's how it was working. From from what I've read and understand, what the Jews were required to do was requite their parents in their old age. To take care of widows who are widows indeed. 
And it was very expensive back in those times to take care of an elderly father and elderly mother. And people with bad hearts didn't want to do it. But they knew the scripture said, honor thy father and thy mother. So they're kind of bound by the word of God to do something they didn't really want to do. So they came up with this tradition. Call your money Corban. Say your money is devoted and dedicated to God. And you'd like to give it to your parents, you really would, but it belongs to God. Once you did that, you were allowed to spend it on yourself, not on mom and dad. That's kind of rotten, isn't it? If it belongs to God, how come you can spend it? Well, that's, it's, it's Corban. That's a special type of belonging to God, which means it belongs to God for my profit. And it doesn't profit me to honor my father and my mother. That's kind of a, kind of a low-down business, isn't it? Yeah, that, and so Jesus said, this is, why, this is why I'm sick of you Pharisees. You're teaching people ways to circumvent the Word of God while pretending that you're righteous and right with God. And I won't have it. People don't love holiness and they don't love righteousness, so what do they do? They turn their church into a nightclub. They throw out everything in the Bible about right living and holy living and they just preach love and grace and, and, and smile. And then they pat themselves on the back and say we're right with God when what they're doing, they're just circumventing the whole, the whole scripture. where we are. So what happens in that case? Jesus said, making, oh, watch this, 13, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition which ye have delivered and many such like things do ye. The awesome eternal power of God's word is nullified. When men put their opinions and their traditions ahead of Scripture. You, you, you bind the hands of the Holy Ghost. He can't work. He can't help you. He can't change you. He can't fix you. He can't improve your situation. That's a tough place to be in. Now, look at the, look at the opposite. First Thessalonians chapter two. First Thessalonians chapter two. Well, things were going well till I reminded you that the Republicans haven't bailed you out since January. Don't you like how they repealed Obamacare? That's what they promised. But who are you compared to a lobbyist with 500 grand in a briefcase? <laughs> You're nothing. You know, when you can go into office with a net worth of $200,000 and come out with a net worth of $22 million, something went on up there. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. So what are you, what are you a Democrat? Are you kidding Look, my wrists don't hang like that. 
I don't march under under a rainbow flag. I don't I don't believe it's a medical procedure to terminate a life in a womb. Okay, so you feel better now? You does that, does that, that help you? What I'm saying is the answer to the need of the human heart is not for the Steelers to win the Super Bowl or for Hillary to take a hike. It's Jesus Christ. And it's not the new herb found in the jungle of Ecuador that will take 30 years off your face. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And and all those other things you get used to. All right. First Thessalonians 2.13. To the end. He, uh, where am I? That's three. Okay. 2.13. For this cause also, thank we God without ceasing. Because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. If you believe the Word of God, it will have an effect upon your life. If you put tradition and opinion ahead of the Word of God, the Word of God will have no effect upon your life. It's, it's that clear. It's that simple. Okay, I'm going I'm to touch on one more. I didn't say just one more because I might think of something else. Like beards. On women. No. <laughs> Right about the time I got saved, there was, there was a book that had been a bestseller for years called The Late Great Planet Earth. I remember that book. And in that book, Hal Lindsey proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that the rapture would take place in 1973. And you know why he's still on Christian TV every night with saved people sending him money to be on, on TV? Because people don't care what the Bible says. That's why. Well, he's a great prophetic teacher. Really? How great do you have to be to set a date for the rapture? When God told you not to. How great do you have to be to, to strike out? Miss three pitches in a row by two feet. Here we are. I survived. I survived the economic collapse of the early 1980s as prophesied by the financial guru, save Christian financial guru, Larry Burkett. I should have gotten rid of all my money. I should have cashed in everything. I should have prepared myself for the end of the stock market in America as we know it. But silly me, I just kept my money and kept going to work and... Survived it anyway. I got through Brother Ruckman's rapture in the spring of 87. I got through Harold Camping's rapture in 1988. I got through Harold Camping's post-rapture rapture in 1989. I'm still here. I survived the establishment of the New World Order by George H.W. Bush 
in the early 90s. I, sur- I survived. He and Clinton worked together with a conglomerate of secret underground Bilderbergers to establish the New World Order in 1993, and I got through it. Wow. I did. Me. Got through it. I survived. Look, I'm... I'm I got through Y2K. You know what? When a guy comes on your Christian TV or stands in a Christian pulpit and says, the world is going to end in six months, send me fifty nine ninety five, and I'll send you the DVD proving it. Do you not have sense enough to know that if he, he knew the world was going to end, he wouldn't need your 59 bucks? People just keep writing out the checks. They keep typing in the credit card number. Oh, well, here it comes. This this is it. This is it. This is it. If God didn't reveal the date of the rapture of the Apostle Paul, why would he reveal it to a man like Hagee who left his wife and children for a babe in the church? He wouldn't. He wouldn't. If God didn't reveal the date of the rapture to John the Apostle, why would He reveal it to some Benny Hinn crackpot? He wouldn't. And saved people just have this appetite for stuff that's called prophecy that's not in the Bible. And if it's not in the Bible, it's not prophecy. It's propaganda. It's fundraising. Do you, you got a, let me borrow a piece of paper. You got, you got a piece of paper I borrow? With a 20 or something? Watch this. In my hand is an ordinary ink pen. See that? See that paper? See, it's clean. See how, see how clean that is? Now watch. See what I just did? I just put a mark on that paper. Does everybody know that I marked that paper? Did I implant a computer chip into that paper or did I mark that paper? Well, you know, the computer chip, that's the mark of the beast. It, that's not a mark. God marked Cain. He didn't chip him. Here's how old I am. Watch this. This is on everything you buy. I mean, the Lord's coming. This is it. Look at that man. That's a universal, you know, universal barcode. You know how many lines that thing's got? Count them. Go home, pull something out of the cabinet. It's got the barcode on it. Count them. It's got 18 lines on it. 18. Six. 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 How come it ain't nine, nine? How come it's not one, seventeen? 
How did how did how come it had to be six six six? Well, this is it. We're out here. We're going. It's it's the universe, man. They they just scan it, and you, the the don't work in the cash register doesn't even know how to make change anymore. They don't have to. It tells them right there. And here we are, fifty years later. 50 years of universal barcodes and there's not a one world government and there's not a concentration camp for Christians in America and there hadn't been a rapture and we still got bread to eat and milk milk to drink. Yeah, but it's modified. <laughs> you know what they do with those cows, man? They glow in the dark. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Here's what I'm telling you. Everything you need to know about the rapture and the second coming is in this Bible. None of it is in a newspaper. None of it is in an interpretation of a current event on a website. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. And I'll tell you how many signs there are for the rapture in the Bible. Zero. Be absolutely none. Every sign is for the second coming, which I plan to participate in. I'm not going to be on the receiving end. I'm going to be on the giving end. I'm not going to be a trampolee. I'm going to be a trampler. You know what Christians do? They fight and they divide and they drop out of church because somebody doesn't agree with something some guy said about the coming of the Lord. And they put those traditions and they put those human teachings ahead of the Bible and it's just not, it's just not right. You've got to go with the Scripture. Juan Carlos of Spain. Who's ever heard of him? He was going to be the Antichrist. Big, big conservative fundamental radio ministry. And if I, if I, if I named it, you'd know who they were. Um, they were dead center of the country, but they said Southwest, and they weren't a church, but they said they were a church. And, and uh, anyway, they had all this. I mean, just every decade there was a new guy that was the Antichrist, and we can prove it. And Obama's preacher. I, I, I'm sure Obama's the Antichrist. Good. Good. If Obama's the Antichrist, we're going to heaven soon. Why would that be a bad thing if he was Antichrist? Scripture says the Antichrist is going to unite the world. Does anybody still think Obama's the Antichrist? (laughs) How's that working out? So look, if you want to go home tonight and eat a loaf of bread that cost you $16 (laughs) because it came from ground upon which not a single pesticide has ever been sprayed. Like you can prove that. Go ahead. 
and if you want to go home tonight and eat a Pop-Tart with gravy on it. <laughs> Help yourself. Just don't divide Christians over what you eat. Okay? If you want to go home tonight and run five miles... Or if you want to get in your car and follow Bob White while he runs five miles. We all know the, the verse about bodily exercise profiteth little. And some of you believe that it profits. And some of you point out that it's little. And it's between you and God. If your kids get sick and you want to take them to the doctor... Or if your kids get sick and you want to shake chicken bones over them and wave feathers in their face and blow magic smoke on them, that's between you and God. Just don't divide Christians over that stuff. <laughs> well, does that work? <laughs> Look it up online. Look it up on which doctor MD. <laughs> Come on. We have a hard enough time getting along when we all open the same Bible and read the same verses. We start bringing all this other stuff in there as a basis for who's right and who's not right and who's doing it the way God wants them to and who's not. It's just, we're just not going to work. We're just not going to stay together. Okay? Okay. All right. Let's, let's pray. Father, we are a strong-willed bunch of people and, and we are people with conviction. About just about everything. And Lord, would you help us to make certain that we're basing our fellowship and establishing our righteousness on what's in the Scripture.